Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today, I'm going to do a follow-on piece, you know, episode 281. I hope you've listened to that. And if you haven't, I'd encourage you to stop this and go back to episode 281 because we covered from our peak experience these principles from Barry Gordy, who built Motown, who was a phenomenal systemizer and brought the structure to this creative process uh, called making music. I would argue that Barry Gordy did more for racial harmony in the United States and worldwide than anybody maybe ever. And I know that's kind of sacrilegious, and there's been some great people, and Martin Luther King and people like that. But this was in regards to the context of people enjoying an experience together and bringing people together. And as I listened to Barry Gordy, he focused on what people's similarities were and not what differences were, and that everybody loved Motown music, irrespective of their race, creed, or color, or nationality. And it was a brilliant, brilliant endeavor, Motown. It changed the world, and it changed music. And he had an approach, and it was built for that time, but there's things like we shared about in episode 281 that we could learn from Barry Gordy and how to make our business and life a hit. We talked about having the right model in mind, building from your past experiences. So many people write me, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about that, I've reached a place in my life, or I'm ready for a new adventure, so on and so forth. And so many times, what they're setting out to do is not even remotely connected to what they've done in the past. And it doesn't mean that it has to be in the same industry or space or whatever else, but the elements and the dynamics of what you did in your past. You know, your past gives clues to your future. It should be from your past experience. And then at the next level, collaborate and create. And I'm actually in the middle of this right now. I'm going through this process myself as I'm looking at kind of the next chapter in my life and what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do and how I can impact more people on a broader scale, I'm going through these whole things and I'm creating a model and I'm looking at models that are out there. I'm building from my past experiences and then collaborating with some super talented people, many peers who've achieved things in other industries and other spaces. I'm in the midst of this creation process. And I will say this, it's very, very fulfilling. It's exciting, it's terrifying, and it's daunting. And all those things happen when you set new goals. And uh, I certainly have been doing that. And I'm in a, a space where I'm doing that right now. And I have a tapestry on my office wall that says a quote from St. Arrhenius of Lyon, which is, the glory of God is the human person fully alive. And I'm in a space right now where I've come out of kind of a funk, a dryness, a post-COVID grind. I worked probably more hours than I have in years. And I've always been a pretty driven, hardworking guy. And I kind of got into a bit of a bad pattern of funk. I will say, you know, for myself, I've been able to turn the tables. And that's the title of today's episode. It's a follow-on to making your business and life a hit. And we know we have the turntables. That's what where the music comes from back in the day. And we want to talk about turning the tables. So we're going to talk about what happens when you're in a funk. We're going to talk about how to get your groove back, keeping in context with that Motown theme and then how to be a hit factor yourself. So we're going to talk about this. You know, if you're in a funk, I want to say to you, we did a podcast 
episode 272 on how to get out of a funk. And people say, well, where, where do you get all your ideas from? And where does all this information come? And why do you do episodes when you do it? Well, I got a lot of mail. I also have an awful lot of coaches, and we coach thousands of people in the marketplace. And we kind of know, we have our finger on the pulse of what people are going through. And it's a great feedback mechanism for me. And one of the things I've seen is a lot of people, as the cities and states and countries are opening up, as a lot of people have been in a funk. And it makes total sense. I'm going to say this. Many people are in a funk who don't know they're in a funk. We just held our first event in 15 months, and I got lots of criticism for it and this and that and the other and whatever else, a few nasty grams. Now, I can tell you, we just pulled off one of the most extraordinary events in our company's history, 2,500 events we've done. We had people fly into Arizona to the Biltmore Hotel. We conducted the event in a safe manner. We had everybody actually tested. cost $150,000 to test all the attendees. We had everybody socially distanced and all that kind of stuff. And we actually had an audience in two ballrooms. So we spaced people out so far. So we had simulcast going between ballrooms, and I went between ballrooms for different sessions. And that's what you were listening to in episode 281. And it was interesting to me. There were some folks there and people I know well who were in a funk. They hadn't been outside much. They hadn't interacted with people much. Going to an event was a very different experience than many of them had had in the last few months and well over a year. And it was interesting to see the transformation in people over the course of three days, where at the end of three days, there were people who were apprehensive, nervous, some just downright scared, but they went anyway. And then the transformation that took place during the course of three days was spectacular. Many people have written to me and said, I didn't know I was in a funk. So when I actually put out an episode that says how to get out of a funk, they actually didn't think it was for them. And I'm going to say that's probably the most deadly part of drift and where so many people are. Human beings are phenomenal at survival. You know, you read the survival stories, Ernest Shackleton, all the people who survived at sea and people who've survived terrible childhoods and things like that and abuse. People are phenomenal at surviving. We're not as good in the thriving mode. And what happens when you go into a survival mode, adrenaline kicks in, the fight or flight kicks in, and then as soon as things calm down and the adrenaline leaves, that's when you feel the anxiety. That's when you feel the stress. And there are so many people right now that I'm watching, I'm seeing, who are experiencing a form of social anxiety or relational anxiety, or they just not quite firing on all cylinders. And so I believe COVID shrank all of our worlds. The world shrank. Of course it did. We were initially told to go home. And then we were told not to interact with people. And then we were told not to connect with people. And you couldn't see loved ones and elderly people. It's the longest period of time in my life I haven't seen my parents. And they're not young anymore. My mom is 90. My dad is 89. I can't go home to see them. COVID shrank everybody's world. And when your world shrinks, you are in a funk. And the hardest thing about being in a funk, you don't really know it. I love a quote from Joey from Friends. My kids got into Friends here on Netflix. And it said, I would figured I'd have time alone with my thoughts. But it turns out I don't have as many thoughts as you'd think. And, uh, you know, no doubt, a lot of people, myself included, went, did our best to, through COVID. It's just funky. It's just funky. And then out of that funkiness came a limbo. You know, one foot on the boat, one foot on the dock. I'm working from home. I'm not working from home. I'm out, but I'm not. I have a mask, but I don't. The restaurants are open, but I'm sitting outside. The economy's roaring, but it's not. 
there's high demand, but limited supply. But there you go. So what's happened is there's this limbo where we're not fully one thing, we're not fully the other. Richard Branson said, if you find yourself stuck in the middle, there's only one way to go forward. Now, when you're stuck in limbo, you remember the dance, the limbo? They used to do this at weddings and stuff. What they do is they have a bar and you got to kind of lower your chest underneath it while you do the dance. It's an obstacle in front of you. And when you're in limbo, you're stuck and you're usually stuck by an obstacle. And so what this is, is we're dancing around the obstacle. And this is what we have to do. If you're trying to get out of a funk, if you're stuck in limbo, you got to overcome these obstacles and just keep dancing, keep moving your feet. You want to turn the tables? That's what you got to do. What we're looking for is kind of a spark. And Marie Kondos used to say, discard everything that does not spark joy. And I want to say this. There is such a lack of wisdom and there is so much foolishness in the marketplace. What started out as politically correct has now turned into cancer culture. And cancer culture's next step is totalitarianism. Totalitarianism is one thought. And we have it in the media. We have it in tech. I'm watching my kids coming back from college with the things they're not allowed to say and the things that are self-scripted and self-edited now. It's becoming a bizarre piece. And what I will tell you is it's becoming a graceless, joyless society. Well, I'm not participating in that. I'm not participating in that. And let me tell you this. I ain't participating in cancel culture. I'm not going to be freaking canceled. That's one of the reasons I own my own business. Maybe that's why the cancel culture doesn't want anybody to own their own business. I'm going to say this. The commitment is the good life, and the good life requires joy. And when you're in limbo, you feel no sense of joy. In fact, you feel depleted. Your energy is depleted. Your emotions are depleted. One of my kids said to me the other night, the only acceptable emotion amongst many of her peers, is a sense of sadness and what's going wrong in their life. And we are raising a generation of depressed people. I have no desire to be a part of that, and I desire to inspire people and encourage people. And if this is for you, then, then here's what I want you to do. Send these messages out. Send these podcasts to other people. You know, I used to ask people all the time, hey, share these messages with other people. We don't advertise. We don't promote. We don't do anything on these shows. We put a ton of work in to bless you. Here's what I think you should do. I think you need to bless other people. Maybe there's some episodes that people need to hear. But I am being overwhelmed with letters, emails, and then a lot of this anecdotal stuff that I'm seeing where people are just in a funk, and now the culture kind of wants people to stay in a funk, stay in limbo, and be depleted. John Mason Good said, happiness consists in activity. It is a running stream, not a stagnant pool. We've got to keep going. We've got to do things. One of my favorite books has always been The Road Less Traveled. And M. Scott Peck said, The truth is that our finest moments are most likely to occur when we are feeling deeply uncomfortable, unhappy, or unfulfilled. For it is only in such moments propelled by our discomfort that we are likely to step out of our ruts and start searching for different ways or truer answers. So I'll speak a little autobiographically to this. My daughter made a commitment to transfer schools. Kind of came as a surprise to everybody. But where she was, she was feeling unchallenged. She was getting straight A's without trying. And a friend of mine was marketing director at a university that is extremely hard. So she said, I'd like to see it. And we made this quick visit out there to go take a look at it. And it's extremely difficult. And everyone she met said, this place is hard. The classes are hard. The professors are tough. The grades are difficult. In the sporting environment, this is tough. The coaches really press you and make you work hard. 
And I'm thinking, there's no way a 19-year-old kid is going to choose this. We were 15 minutes on our drive to the airport, and she said, this is where I want to be. I want to be tested. I want to be pushed. I want to feel uncomfortable, Dad. And I got to tell you, it is uncomfortable. We're in the most comfortable situation you can imagine right now with my kids going to school. And this is very uncomfortable. And it's been a magical time because it opened my eyes. Because to me, one of the big things I've seen post-COVID is that the two biggest addictions are comfort and control. And one of the dynamics is I think we need to get uncomfortable. And maybe being in a funk, you're uncomfortable. You're in limbo, you're uncomfortable. You're depleted, you feel uncomfortable. Let me say this. Being uncomfortable is where you grow. You know, growth does not happen without sinews stretching. When you work out, you actually micro-tear your muscle fibers. And when they knit back together, the muscles get bigger and stronger. Watch in plant life, when a plant grows, it stretches and grows. It's an uncomfortable process, but it's the most fulfilling one. We all feel most alive when we're growing. And I would say this, if you're uncomfortable right now, good. If you're comfortable right now, be wary. Be concerned. If things are comfortable, things are easy, things are on cruise control, be wary. I would say you're already drifting. If you've got it so down, you're working from home, everything's cool as a breeze, everything's just nice and neat, you've got your routines down, and it's just cruising along, you're drifting. You're at risk. You're heading for limbo. You're heading for a funk, and you won't know why. Because if you think about it, when are you most comfortable? You're comfortable in bed sleeping. You're comfortable in a lazy boy. You're comfortable with certain comfort foods. All of the things that make us comfortable, just do a lot of it, you end up being uncomfortable. Eat enough comfort food, you're comfortably overweight and unhealthy. Sit around in your comfortable chair too much, you're stiff and sore. The muscles need to get worked. We need to get uncomfortable. If you want to turn the tables, understand that the current funk you're in or the current depletion you feel or the current limbo you feel can actually be the catalyst to help you dig a little deeper, find out what you really want, and go pursue it. Go set some uncomfortable goals. That's the key. And then find out how to do it. Stretch yourself. I don't care what age you are, what your situation is, what your financial picture is. A goal that's done right should feel uncomfortable, a little daunting, a little challenging. So now I want to talk about the second element of turning the tables, and that's getting your groove back. The great Austin Powers said, I've lost my mojo, baby. No doubt. Well, the fact is, we all lose our mojo from time to time. And uh, we're going to use Motown to get our mojo back. And we're going to turn the tables. So how are we going to do it? Well, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, one of my favorite songs. What we need to realize is that when we set a goal, there ain't no mountain high enough. The fact of the matter is, you should set a goal that scares you. You should set a goal that challenges you. You should have aspirations that are beyond your reach. If you know how to do it already, it's not a goal. It's a to-do list. If it's a dead cert, it's not an aspiration. It's just Monday. So ain't no mountain high enough. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you climbed a mountain in your life? When was the last time you even looked? Again, we've been in survival mode. It's time to get into thriving mode. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. That's a love song. But to me, it's loving your good life. Loving where you want to go. There ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley low enough. No river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. That definite major purpose. That goal in your mind and heart that you're pursuing. 
Henry Ford said it this way, coming together is the beginning, keeping together is progress, working together is success. We need to find partners on the journey, collaborate with people, brainstorm with people, connect with people on the journey. I'm so proud of our community of clients that connect and interact with one another. They're on the journey together. Helen Keller said, alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. We've been in isolation. Isolation is not the preferred place for a human being to be. That's why it's such a harsh punishment in the prison system. When you put someone in isolation, when you lock a person down just by themselves with no interaction with other people, it's the harshest punishment. We had stay-at-home orders and Zoom and Boom and whatever else. It's just not the same as the real thing. So the next thing we need to do to get our groove back, baby, is reignite the spark. The mighty Taylor Swift says, never forget the essence of your spark. We all need a spark. What is the spark? Well, I'll tell you a spark I had here not so long ago was watching Phil Mickelson win the PGA Championship. That gave me a spark. He's an amazing golfer. And this is a guy who I have cheered for and has broken my heart more times than I can shake a stick at and has failed in spectacular ways. Almost three times as many majors, he's finished second as the ones that he's won. And yet he keeps trying. And now here he is, just before his 51st birthday, he beats a bunch of 20-year-olds on a golf course that is probably the least suited golf course for him to win on than you can imagine. I actually can't imagine a golf course less suited for him to play because he's typically wild off the tee. And this is a golf course built on the seashore with sand dunes and giant bunkers everywhere. The minute you miss your fairway, you're dead. And Phil Mickelson beat all these young guns, did it under pressure, was leading, had the whole world looking at him and came through. And I'll tell you this, it was a spark for me. And I started digging in as I always do. When I see something inspirational, I'm going to find out why. And I start reading and researching. Okay, next thing you know, Phil went and made a very strong commitment to his physical body. He's actually 17 pounds lighter than the last time he won the PGA Championship. 15, 16 years ago, okay? He's in better shape as a 51-year-old than he was as a 35-year-old. That's different. His eating habits change. His workout habits change. He does a fast 36 hours every week. So I started doing it. Sunday night at 6 till Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. What a difference that's making. I got this spark, and I thought, you know what? I'm not that much older than Phil Mickelson, and if he can do it, I can do it. That's one of the sparks. If he can do it, I can do it. Another spark is remembering and self-reflecting. Hey, I did it before. I can do it again. I set goals and achieve things. I achieved things I didn't know I could achieve. And now I'm kind of in this funk. I'm going to set goals again. So I'm going to self-reflect. If I, I did it before, I can do it again. If they can do it, I can do it. And here's the deal. Phil then said the key ingredient. He said, you know, there's no reason you can't achieve your goals at an older age. You just have to work harder. And it was that shift in mindset for me. And, and I'll be honest with you. I've been whining. Why? Because I've been doing my workouts with my trainer. I've been doing my cardio by myself. I've been eating the stuff that normally helps me really get into great shape. And I haven't been making progress. And I've been kind of whining, you know, I'm doing the workouts and this and any other. And guess what? I'm not getting the progress, not getting ahead. And I had to make a decision to go and do those things. And I did. And I'm doing them now. And it, guess what? I'm older. So, oh my goodness, really? Get off the cross. We need the wood, my mother used to say. You really, I need to work out harder at 53 than I did at 33? That's a shock to my system. No, but that's the deal. So the bottom line is, 
there is a price to pay and we got to get after it. We have to reignite that spark, find sources of inspiration, find something that motivates you and inspires you and gets you going. And then lastly in this thing is get charged up, get charged up, get moving, get motivated, tap into experts, consultants, peers, people who've achieved things in other areas of your life. Go to lunch now that you can go to lunch. Connect with people. I'm going to share with you a quote that when I first saw this quote, I was kind of taken back by it because I don't perceive this person as being what they said, and it's Eli Manning. Now, I've watched the show, The Book of Manning, which is, talks about Archie Manning and his sons and how great, you know, here's a, a Hall of Fame football player who had two Hall of Fame football playing sons. Amazing. Peyton and Eli. And Peyton is this enigmatic character and won Super Bowls. And Eli, everything I've seen is kind of this reserved, keep it to himself, kind of a duck on a pond type guy, doesn't seem to get high or low, doesn't give a lot of energy, kind of very quiet. And here was the quote that Eli Manning said about himself. He says, I go crazy trying to energize people. That's what I am. I'm a battery. And if you're down, you can plug into me and get charged up. And I started thinking about that quote, and I said, you know what? Everybody gets a chance to have that spark and to go about it their own way. You know, I'm a motivator. I'm an enthusiastic, fired-up Irishman. I love to get jacked up and fired up. I love to fire up people. But, you know, you can do it your own way. You can do it the way you're wired to do it. Eli Manning does not look like a battery to me. He doesn't look like a fired-up guy. And he says he goes crazy trying to energize other people. I would have bet a million dollars that wasn't the case. And I think the power is you get to do it your own way. Find your spark your way. Be that energizer bunny your way. Some of you are quiet, some of you are loud. Some of you are talkers, some of you are thinkers. Whatever it is, to get your groove back. There ain't no mountain high enough. We got to reignite the spark and we got to get charged up. And then lastly, if you want to turn the tables, you got to get connected. You got to get connected. Dr. Sue said, people are weird. When we find someone with weirdness comparable with ours, we team up and call it love. I love that. I tell my kids all the time, it's not about being perfect. When you find somebody, it's about being perfect for each other. Leonardo da Vinci said, learn how to see. Realize that everything connects to everything else. We got to get connected. We got to get connected to ourselves. You know, that's sometimes hard to do. Self-reflection. We had the podcast with Bob Bodine, and he wrote a book called Two Chairs. And I've started this little discipline in my life every morning. It's been very helpful for me to get connected to myself getting connected to my family in in small, simple ways. And we have so many little tools today, little texts and videos and messages we can send. And then get connected to your goals, get connected to your peers, get connected to those people who build you up. I mean, you got to, because everyone else is trying to tear us down. Everyone else is trying to divide us. And if you just go along with the crowd, you'll be joyless, negative, graciousless, just like everyone else. We have to get connected. The next thing is very, very powerful to me. It's called It's a Good Life. And you guys will be hearing a lot more about this in the months and years to come. It's a good life. And it is a good life. Life was designed to be good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was good. And it's good enough for God. It's good enough for me. He didn't say it was awesome. Didn't say it was fantastic. He said it was good. There's highs and lows. There's ups and downs. But it is a good life. Carl Rogers, a great American psychologist, said the good life is a process not a state of being. It is a direction and not a destination. And I think so many people end up with a counterfeit good life because they feel it's a destination. 
And you'll hear a lot of people say, once I get here, I'll be happy. Once I own this, I'll be happy. Once I make this amount of money, I'll be happy. Once I get married, I'll be happy. You know, I tell my kids all the time, if you can't be happy being single, good luck trying to be married as a couple. It's not a destination. It's a process. And so that's what the good life is. Seneca said it this way, not how long, but how well you have lived is the main thing. Words to live by. Words to live by. It is a good life. So what do we need to do? We need to hit the reset button. And that word is being butchered now all over the place. We know there's dynamics and world politics where the great reset and those kinds of things. And just because something's overused or politicized doesn't mean it's not good. I like the idea of a reset button. You know, sometimes, like in California, we have GFI switches where an electrical outlet has had a surge of power. The circuit breaker pops out and that plug or whatever stops working. And all you got to do is hit the reset button. Just plug it, boom, and back. The power is working again. And we all need to kind of hit the reset button. We all need to kind of get back in the right direction. Harvey McKay, who's been a guest at our mastermind, said, point your head in the right direction and get back in the game. Tony Stewart, champion NASCAR driver, said, we all get so caught up in the moment of what we're doing every day, it's hard to hit the reset button. And that's true. And other people say, what am I resetting to? What am I resetting to? I saw this anonymous quote. It says, reset, readjust, restart, refocus as many times as you need to. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. So we need to get connected. We need to have the perspective that it's a good life. It's not always great. And then we need to hit the reset button. Today, we're talking about turning the tables. We talked about Barry Gordy in episode 281 and how to make your business and life a hit. And if you're thinking that's too lofty and maybe that was too far out for you, well, today's episode, Turning the Tables, maybe this will help you get out of a funk. Maybe it'll help you get your groove back. And maybe it'll help you be a hit factory so that your life can be a hit. And that's what we want for all of you. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope it's been a blessing for you. If you think it'll be a blessing to somebody else, pass this episode on. Spread the word. Let people know about The Brian Buffini Show. We're trying to reach as many people we can with positive, encouraging messages to help their life be better, to help their business be better if they have a business, and to ultimately live the good life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to pass you over to my mother, who's made my life good for the past 53 years. Over to you, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.